Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations, the segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car. And until the end of the month of October, it'll be exclusively dedicated to the different candidates running for office in this year's federal election. My guest today is Vasif Aliyev, and he is the NDP candidate for the riding of Vimy in the city of Laval. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for doing this. Honestly, I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, it. man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out. Um, I actually enjoy these things. Uh, I tried to figure out something to do that it was that was going to be fun, obviously for me, because I don't want to do things that bore me, <laughs> but also for uh, for the candidates that were going to participate in this. And I thought, you know, let me just try and get as many different candidates as possible uh, from all the different parties. And uh, it's just an opportunity, it's an occasion to get the, uh, the people to, to know you a little bit better. The campaign obviously just started, the time that we're recording this, obviously the, the campaign just... Uh, was yeah, launched right, today, today. so uh, as of today, it's it's rock and roll essentially. Basically, uh, yeah, we're expecting to start either last weekend or upcoming weekend, but uh, well, we're always ready. It's a good time though for elections, honestly, because I've I've organized campaigns in the middle of winter, uh, you know, in the snow, in the slush, in the rain, and this is the perfect weather. Yeah, this is I I think this is why they pick like you know they always pick these dates because it's not midsummer, but it's not midwinter either. And it's not spring where everybody just has their head somewhere else, you know, like, ah, oh, I just want summer to get here and uh, move, move on with the winter. And I don't want to talk politics or news or anything. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so you're a young guy, man. You're still you're still in university, essentially. Yeah, basically, uh, I'm still uh, taking part time courses for my master's uh, at Lenap. Oh, you're at Lenap? Okay, because yeah. I, th- I read something that you're in Concordia. I, I graduated from Concordia. Oh, okay. Uh, in app now, I might actually reapply Concordia to finish the master's. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, if all goes well. You like uh, you like the poli sci? Uh, well, here I am. <laughs> yeah, well, political science, the study of it is completely different from actually engaging in it. Yeah. Because um, one's an intellectual level, the other one's more practical level. Yeah. But um, I. I really enjoy both sides, uh, and to be honest, probably one of the courses I hated the most was political philosophy in school. A lot of people who go to poli sci love it. I really didn't like it because it's <laughs> it's a theoretical uh, program, right? Yeah. I mean, anyone can pick up the books and yeah, just essentially uh, study everything you're studying. Of course, you have the teachers over there that are accompanying you, and they're and they're giving you their take. And a lot of what I loved about Concordia, because I also graduated from poli sci. A lot of the teachers were professionals. Yeah, it's not oh, yeah, just uh, academia, right? I mean, it's people that had a, a significant experience in the topic that they're uh, that they're uh, teaching, and you know they're just giving it to academia, which is fantastic because you're getting hands-on, uh, hands-on, uh, you know, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, one of my first professors was uh, uh, he was an American, and uh, he, he would always be on the radio whenever there was you know U.S. elections or yeah. U.S. Po- politics talk. So he was often on the radio, and I would actually heard him even before he was a professor of mine. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like you say, it was it, it was actually really fun to have you know hands-on people. Is this something that you th- that, that you wanted to get into, or you just fell in poli sci and you just ended up staying? You no, it was something I really, really wanted to. That was that was uh, that was like my first choice, to be honest. Okay. Uh, law school was also uh, very interesting to me, but um, I gave it a lot of thought, and I said, you know what, I, I don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. 
but it's 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 also very common for poli sci grads to transition oh, into law. Absolutely, I think all my friends are either in law yeah. or public policy, like I am. So. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's funny because see, me, me was the opposite. I went to poli sci because I had no idea what to do, and I thought, let me just get into that uh, into that program, and eventually I'll just change. But I just fell in love with it, uh, and it surprised me because I didn't think that that's what poli sci was, right? And then eventually I transitioned to politics. But um, I'm glad. Did you have an engagement before going into university in politics? Or um, from a young age, were you involved? Were I was always involved in a sense that on a, like on my own interest level. It's something I, I followed on the TV, radio, you know, I read about it, uh, discussed. But even at a young age, people would always like, you really seem to be interested in politics. And funny story, like, I think this was in primary and even the high school. But a few teachers tell me, you should probably end up as a prime minister You're be one a politician. Day. Yeah, yeah I think they, like you'll, you'll end up a politician or something. I don't know. I had it. I had it in my DNA or something. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I saw that you were. You're also a member of the armed forces, Canadian armed yes. forces. Are you still a member? Of the yes, I am currently a member. Uh, tell me about that experience. Uh, well, it's it's one of the hardest questions to answer. Uh, the the question of what do you do in the army? Yeah, because it's it's to itself it's a parallel society, and at the same time it does cross common society. And as a reservist who works full time most of the time, uh, such as myself, yeah. um, you know I have my army life and I have my uh, civilian life. And I started uh, I started actually in the writing at the Fourth uh, Royal Twenty Second uh, Battalion, the Fort uh, uh, sorry, the Fourth Battalion Twenty Second Regiment. Yeah. Because it's in French, I usually yeah, say yeah. it. So I'm not used to saying in English, uh, which is you know a sister unit of the three uh, regular force units in Quebec City. And um, and yeah, I started there. Then, uh, the, then many years, almost a decade there. How long has it been? Ten? I joined in 2006, so okay. technically I started my 13th year, June 1st, 2006. I was 17 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been stationed overseas? It's more local? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did ask to go overseas. Um, you know, half the time when you demand to go overseas, there's, there are more people asking than yeah. there are positions. So yeah. sadly it didn't come, but uh, ho hopefully eventually. If I, I'm not elected, I find that amazing. Like I would never be able uh, to be in the army. One because um, probably I'm I'm a little chicken. <laughs> but it takes a lot of courage to, to tell yourself and to your family and to your friends. Look, uh, I'm going. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be stationed uh, overseas and uh, I'm going to go and uh, serve my country. Well, you know, for most of us who join, going overseas is actually one of the main goals yeah um i'd say you know it it's it's a bit like being a doctor um if you don't get to do surgery on someone that's good news but at the same time you have to do you're it there you know reason, you're yes. there for that reason so um if you don't do it that means it's a it's kind of good news it means it's kind of calm around the yeah. world but uh, you'll always have something to do like um i've been to floods here in quebec three times actually so uh, Vancouver Olympic Games, the security, oh, wow. uh, um, and so and so stand by to go to Haiti after the after the earthquake. The earthquakes, yes. So we, we often see the army as like this offensive force, but uh, there's a lot of you know, passive help and uh, there's a lot of non-aggressive help. Mm -hmm. So most people that I know, that's what they want to do in the army, yeah. and that's what a reason of what they do. 
but uh, when push comes to shove, well, then I guess then it comes naturally that you want to serve, which is logical uh, for you to kind of make a jump into politics. You, you, I would say so, but a lot of people wouldn't see it that way. You know, um, a lot of people find it as a conflict being in the, a member of the Canadian Forces and then being an elected member of Parliament. Um, there could be conflicts, you know, there are rules uh, on that and uh, I did the paperwork, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, everyone who should <laughs> got be clearance. Yeah, I got the clearance, everybody should be aware, is aware and you know, I often remind people that the uh, Minister of Defense right now exactly. is, used to be and not only him, there were many other, For sure. um, a good friend of mine who was a captain at, the, uh, at our unit has been elected with the Bloc okay. uh, three times in a row, so, oh, okay. but he's not serving the forces anymore. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, tell me a little bit about politics. So how did uh, more active, is this the first time you're engaging in active politics or um, did you do it before in the past? I actually, last uh, last election, I uh, I got asked to help a um, uh, liberal uh, candidate here in this uh, riding yeah. uh, to get the nomination for the riding. I started with him. Um, hey, look, they're selling the signs. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I started with him. It was... Um, it, it was this is at a federal level you're talking yeah, about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this it was interesting, you know. Um, but uh, I I had to quit really fast, and I had to quit because uh, I found the, the person I was working with was highly defeatist. He he was every time we met, he was you know he would tell me, oh you know I'm not gonna win this, I'm not, uh, oh I'll never get a chance. Yeah, oh, that's the, not the right idea. Yeah, so I kind of <laughs> said, you know what? If you're not believing in this. How can I? And that's when I got the kick, uh, kick in the butt that said, well, you know what? If that guy had a chance, I have a chance, you know? Absolutely. So that, that's, I have this mentality that it, if somebody else can do it, I can most probably do it. So what attracted you to the NDP then? Uh, I would say uh, the platform and uh, the, the social values. You know, uh, the liberals like to, um, and this is where we're gonna do a bit of trash talk. <laughs> the liberals like to uh, consider themselves as a left-wing party and uh, whatnot, but in all sense and practices, they are right-wing. You know, they're a conservative party. Uh, conservative parties, even more conservative, and there's no real left federal party in Canada except for the NDP. People would often say the Greens. Oh, the Green Party, I often call them conservatives recycle, you know? Uh, Conservatives that recycle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, uh, I think it was two days ago, um, they, they, they admitted that if some of their MPs uh, want to open the debate about uh, yeah, abortion, yeah. Yeah. they will not restrict it. And I think it was a mistake, but she came back afterwards trying to correct it. But uh, Well, already that, that, is not, that, that is not a reflex for you. Yeah already shows and you know there was a lot of other incentives and um, political analyst sites actually put them on a range of they're much more to the right than uh, than than center right mm -hmm. you know or just around center right yeah so l let's talk about the platform you mentioned yeah. the platform attracted you obviously the NDP is well known for their social uh, the social policies 
give me a, you know, the, the I, you were one of the, the parties, I think, I don't know if any other party has uh, released their platform yet, I think elements of it, but you guys released it as early as uh, as June. Yeah. Um, of course, the budgeting and all the cost uh, analysis is, uh, is still not around, so I'm guessing that's going to be presented at some point during the campaign. Uh, tell me a little bit what we can expect during, uh, during the campaign. Give me some of the highlights uh, of the platform that you guys will be uh, promoting. All right, well, I'm glad that you, you pointed out that uh, we started our platform in June. Uh, well, we, we, uh, we showed it yeah, in June. Yeah. Um, and uh, that it's all—it's always risky, you know, because then you give a lot of time to the adversaries to, to study analyze, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, to analyze. And I often said to people, if you want to know what a what a liberal platform is, take the previous NDP platform, and you'll find out. Yeah. And I always said, uh, if you want to know what the conservative platform is, take the take the liberal platform and just cross off everything and that there you got it so uh to go to come back to our platform one of the main things is that there's a there's a growing disparity between the rich and the poor in this country and when i say poor um uh, this is not people that i'm not talking only about often we get this idea that poor is someone like a homeless person and that rich is someone uh, who makes a hundred grand uh in a certain analysis, a hundred grand our days could be almost considered poor. Okay. Um, I'm talking yearly salary because the uh, cost of living is immense in Canada. And to tie into that, uh, in our platform, we're, we're proposing you know to lowering uh, cell phone fees and internet provider fees. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big, big issue. I think every single person around the world who travel travels comes here, or people from here who go, go overseas notice that. It is ridiculous that you pay $75 for around like seven gigs in Canada. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, in Europe, you can pay 12 euros and you have like unlimited data almost. Yeah, but, but that's coming, eh? I mean, uh, there's measures t uh, that, are, that, are, that are being explored right now. Uh, See, that's, that's to the thing. To approach more of a European thing where you're paying and you get like an unlimited thing, but it's the phones basically you're gonna have to pay up front, right? We already pay the phone yeah, up front. Yeah. Uh, right now you pay, basically the, the discount you get on your phone, if you cancel within the two years, you gotta pay You gotta back. pay the best, yeah. The so, they, they were a little, uh, uh, you know, it was two steps forward, three steps back. But the cost is way too high for internet. Uh, most, most places outside of urban areas don't even have high-speed internet i'm not talking like crazy high-speed type i'm mm -hmm. just talking like average high-speed internet yeah. to to uh to stream some netflix and youtube you know yeah a lot of regions in canada don't even have access to that and as canadian taxpayers we have paid immense amount of money to companies like telus and rogers and uh and well basically and bell mm -hmm. basically the main three to establish those and they took the money and they ran with it and they never and they never really <laughs> expanded yeah the services the services and you know the excuse is always the same oh it's a big country oh it's cold i often shoot back with you know i have family living in russia and they pay the equivalent of seven dollars canadian for 17 gigs of data on a cell phone in russia i'm sorry to say but it's bigger and as cold as the country's yeah, Canada. Yeah. so there's no real excuse Tell, tell me what else because there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of elements in your platform that are uh, fiscal uh, well look I mean obviously we're gonna wait for the budget uh, and the cost yeah. analysis to come out but there's a lot of uh, propositions that the, that are you know making a lot of buzz uh, we're talking about the the super wealth tax that uh, is very similar to what some of the the American the Democratic candidates are proposing where not only will you be taxed uh, 
on salary, but you're you're going after the assets. So you're you're, you're going after the the wealth of the the, the top one percent of the populations that, that make what over I think it's over twenty million. Twenty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, one tenth of one percent of the population. Exactly. Um, actually, the top twenty thousand Canadians. Uh, earning Canadians yeah. uh, own as much money as four of the lowest provinces in Canada. And 20,000 people is uh, almost, is barely a fifth of electoral writing of people, of registered uh, exactly, voters. Yeah, yeah. So they're a very small minority who gets to pull the reins on a lot of things, you know, on a lot of decisions and, the, and uh, they, they get to keep that money, not pay their fair share. Often, you know, um, um, it's it's money that it's not even you would say twenty million dollars in Canada is amazing you're you're rolling the economy but often that money isn't even sitting in Canada there's billions of dollars of offshore and um, just to talk about that a really good friend of mine who's a, who's a professional chartered accountant and we we're laughing the other day watching tennis because we we're watching Alejia School and um, he goes you know I, I was looking at Eugenie Bouchard he's a big fan of uh, tennis and he says. You know, I looked where she lives out of curiosity, and she's registered to live in the in the Bahamas, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, why do you think that is? He's like, well, tax evasion for sure. And you know, I'm kind of dawned on me. I'm like, see, I'm so naive sometimes. I said, oh, she's probably having fun over there. He's like, no, she's always in Canada. Well, maybe, well, maybe she loves the Bahamas. Maybe she does. Who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. To be honest. But uh, <laughs> but let's go back to the platform because how are you going to convince the electors that? Because you know. The, the the basis of your platform basically rests on a foundation that you're going to go collect all these uh, all this revenue in, in taxation. We're talking about increasing um, the highest taxable bracket up to 30, uh, 38, 30, yeah, 38, 30, yeah, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, so how are you convincing the population that this is the right way to get more money off them? Uh, the message has to be clear that this is not money coming out of their pocket. Uh, you have to, people have to realize that they're already paying their fair share. And there are people within Canadian society that are not. And that's all we want to go. Uh, how come that um, someone who, let's say, um, is just a office assistant for one of a CEO, how come that person pays much more taxes and this, the, her boss or his boss doesn't even pay half those taxes and gets to profit from the same services, you know, of uh, Canadian healthcare and uh, security and just overall, you know, cleanliness. We gotta clean our streets. We gotta we gotta have a standing army. We need to have uh, healthcare. You're gonna say some of those things are provincial, fed, uh, yeah. municipal, but. You know the federal still hands out money mm -hmm. to the provinces and all that so all that money comes into account and some people just profit of the system we often um we often complain against uh, you know the working class often you will hear uh, from the conservatives also uh, complaining against people who are on welfare i say these aren't the people who are costing us the money people on welfare aren't rich you know they're not there sitting and getting uh three thousand dollars a month just to chill at home mm -hmm. they're barely making by that's all they're getting the real welfare is corporate welfare but that's see, where most of the money it's, is it's lost interesting you, it's interesting that you're mentioning this because uh the the, the pbo which is the parliamentary uh yeah uh, 
budget officer, budget officer yeah. whose role is to basically study the commitments and the platform uh, on a, on an economic perspective to, yeah. to, to make sure that it's re realistic. Um, they looked at specifically this measure, the super wealth tax, and the one uh, the one element that they were preoccupied by is the the reactionary response that these businesses are going to have. I mean, if they need to. Uh, to make sure that they don't pay these uh, taxes, they're pretty much going to find a way to do that. So, how do you guarantee that these funds are actually going to come in? All right, uh, uh, to support because at, at at the same time, just go back. This is essentially what you need. What you guys are going to, uh, what you're going to cash in in order to deliver the rest of the, uh, the, uh, the, pro the, the, the promises or the commitment. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, estimated so to about with, with that billion in 10 years, something like that. With that argument is basically saying, oh, well, we should, why should we put on laws if if uh, people aren't going to obey them? And as a whole purpose of a government is to put in measures and laws and make people obey them, mm -hmm. make society obey them. Um, you're not going to start doing speeding because you, because you're going to say, oh, you know, uh, they're not gonna catch everybody, so let's just not put on the speeding limits. Uh, yeah, that's the same thought. And uh, the excuse that oh, you know, uh, if business have to pay more, they'll just leave. I think we've been hearing that forever. Um, well, some have left. We've, some we've some have some. left, but we're still well off. You know, uh, there there's some Canada. Most of Canada, Canadian uh, economy is based on natural resources, right? Uh, being the oil sands right now. Um, um, mining and all that you can leave but those minerals stay water wood all that it's not gonna leave you know you you can it's, it's still gonna need to be exploited and someone no matter the cost will want to exploit it yeah. uh, there's that uh, let's say uh, tomorrow morning we start charging well uh, like I said uh, uh, Rogers and uh, and Telus and mm -hmm. Bell their fair share what, they're just gonna say, okay, well, uh, no more cell phones, you pick up and leave? Well, guess what, another company, uh, just like in nature, business doesn't like uh, voids. Somebody well, else will come yeah, to well, that's the main, uh, the main scare. The main scare is the office closing and losing the jobs, you understand? Uh, whereas uh, other platforms work sort of hand in hand with the corporate uh, with a corporate world in order to make uh, to create an environment that is conducive to employment uh, and obviously uh, job creation and uh, you know necessarily you know personal wealth well uh, it's it's uh, I'm, I'm glad you say that because uh, it's it's yet again the same excuse that you know like oh uh, let the private do what the private does and we've tried that for a long time uh, in the Western world and that's why we have um, we have laws like uh, minimum wage laws mm -hmm. and, and such because uh, when we didn't and we just let you know uh, the free market regulators employees and uh, and the finances well guess what it never worked mm -hmm. it never worked because uh, the workers uh, weren't allowed to unionize then they weren't allowed to demand more they weren't allowed to demand uh, they would only get what uh, the employer needed and uh, the minute the employer didn't want to be there, well, you would all you would leave no matter what, you know? It's interesting that you mentioned the minimum wage. You guys uh, have uh, have been repeatedly saying that if, you know, should you get elected, the minimum wage is going up to 15 bucks? Uh, it depends where you live, obviously, because uh, 15 bucks in some places are already in place. Like, uh, if it's 15 bucks in, uh, in the oil sands, well, it's... Uh, 
kind of unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, 15 bucks in Montreal. No, but I mean the, the, the base minimum. Yeah, the base minimum. And uh, yet again, because um, you have to do it. You have to do it. And it showed in the States that some, some, many states have adopted a policy of $15 an hour. And, you know, people often said, oh, well, it's going to drive off uh, uh, workers and it's going to drive off. Well, that was my next question. Do you think the market, at least here in Montreal or Quebec, do you think the market is ready to assume that increase to 15 bucks an hour? I am totally uh, uh, sure that it will. You know, um, when, a, when a CEO makes 275 times the salary of the minimum uh, of the lowest employee, are you going to tell me that the CEO works 270 times harder? And what is the purpose of having all that wealth? And to explain wealth disparity, people often don't, you know, you don't realize a million dollars, a billion dollars, eh, it sounds the same. But the best example, if you put it in seconds, a million seconds is about 11 days. So if you have a million dollars, you can spend a dollar a second for 11 days. If you have a billion dollars and you put it in terms of seconds, it's 31 years. So you can spend a dollar per second for 31 years and nobody only has one billion dollars. So the CEO or the company that has three billion dollars and above is already more than your livelihood. The years you have to your life, it's 90 years. Let's talk about uh, some local challenges. I'm not gonna take up too much of your time. I know that you, uh, you have uh, some posters to go put up and to get your team uh, organized for the rest of the campaign. Uh, this is a place that you live, right? Uh, yeah. This is uh, I moved out not long ago. My parents still live here. Mm -hmm. uh, all my uh, friends still live here. So okay. I, I grew up here for over a decade. So. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the challenges here locally. Uh, one of the biggest challenges and uh, something that a lot of people have talked to me and said, hey, if you talk about this, you got my vote. Just if you help me out on this, you got my vote. And it's something that as a student, when I was going to Concordia, I was here uh, before I had a car. It's transport. Yeah, this is. Yes, it's a it's a it's a, it's a provincial and a local issue. Look, the federal government the very federal often government contributes, often here, contributes yeah. to to, uh, to transport. In fact, always. Yeah. Basically, except you know, if you want to add a bus line here and yeah, there. All right, the city. We're talking about major infrastructure, and uh, the issue is that the metro, the day was built, the three stations, amazing stations, but they were already oversaturated. We need to have a second line that comes from Cobertu. And that is a part of um, the STM has released a plan called the uh, STM VV, and yeah. it's part of that. And I am absolutely telling people right now that that is one thing that I will strongly run on and I will strongly promote. Uh, the, the REM, the new REM station, is it coming uh, here or is it, it's, it's more uh, east? It's more, it's a bit more east. Um, to be honest, uh, I, I took a look at the planning. I know they changed a few things. I haven't gone back to look at it yet. Look, look at looking at it yeah. again and uh it's really in this area for a lot of the people like my dad used to work downtown he, he's retired now and his whole life he said hey if there was a metro station i'd take the metro absolutely if there was a metro station i'm like yeah well, especially, but, especially if you're working downtown yeah and i'm <laughs> like you know there's uh there's Montmorency. he's like it's so far well it's not far from where we are right now yeah but he's like finding trap at finding parking and yeah. getting there and all that. And so long from Omanasi to go downtown. If if I had a chance to go to, from Côte I would do that. So we have to build it. And I often say to people in the last 10, 15 years, uh, 
well, let's say 14 years uh, with the liberals and conservatives in power, what major thing have we built? What is something that we have created? People often, you know, name, oh, the new Samuel Le Champlain Bridge or Le Changeur de Surco. And I often answer the same thing. It's not new. We just changed one for one. Yeah. We didn't add anything to our infrastructure. We didn't expand our infrastructure. We we have stuck. Well, it's an improvement of what was there before, basically. It's an improvement, but uh, the traffic on the, on the Samuel de Champlain is already backed up. Uh, we're re renovating the tunnel, so more people are going towards the, the bridge again. Well, there's definitely a lot of infrastructure, infrastructure projects left, left to do. Yeah, that's but that's most of them sure. are always just maintenance and just uh, it's one for one, right? We're not creating new stuff. And uh, we need new stuff. We need new projects like the Metro. Yeah. That That is, I, I am adamant about it. This yeah. is a major issue. So transport is one. What else uh, are people talking to you about? Um, actually, the area here in Laval, uh, the issue is income. And we were talking about yeah. it. It's uh, it's actually the area in itself is considered below Canadian average. Okay. Uh, and there's that, you know, um, prices are going up in Montreal, so people are slowly moving to Laval. It kind of pushes people out. It's it's a natural effect, mm -hmm. but um, it, it creates, you know, pollution. Uh, all these cars, no real infrastructure. And it ties into what I said previously. It's really income inequality and uh, pollution and transport. Those, for some reason, seem to always tie in together, you know. Um, prices of houses go artificially up, but salaries don't go up. Yeah. So your salary doesn't go up, your house price went up, that means your taxes went up. Like in Montreal, they just announced it'd be another 2%. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Laval, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, so prices going up, salary going up, uh, not salary, price going up, taxes going up, but salary staying very stagnant. Mm -hmm. So, and then we're not giving you another option of going to work, let's say you work in Montreal or and, and most people do, you know, yeah. they work in the Montreal area. So you got to keep using your, your car. So you pollute, gas prices are going up. So you, you're kind of stuck in this eternal loop of, uh, of hey man, uh, my salary is around 53,000. That's the that's the medium income mm -hmm. in, the, in, uh, in Vimy Laval. Uh, the national average is around 58. So we're a bit lower than the national average. Uh, and people are, People, a lot of people are talking about pollution, you know, yeah. about, uh, well, what are we going to do for environment reasons? Um, look, Laval got flooded three times, mm -hmm. uh, different areas. I was here twice, once in Saint-Jean. Uh, it's not helping anybody. Losing land, your house price went up, but it got flooded. How are you going to make you it You just out? lost your value. You right just away. lost yeah. your whole value. Or your value stays artificially up for some reason. You can't pay it because yeah. you have to pay the renovations. You have to, uh, your insurance won't back everything up because... Uh, yeah. So you're, you're kind of stuck, you know? People are stuck. Le and, yeah, go ahead. And if you, if you look, you have to look beyond the next elect electoral cycle, you know? I, I'm not one of those people that, okay, what will please people for the next three years? Okay, this. No, we have to think further. Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to think further? There's there's a project that I, there's something that I would love to introduce is much more aid towards people who want to buy electric cars. Yeah. Because first of all, uh, most Quebec electricity is green electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say you have a Tesla Model 3 or a Model S. 
you know that a full tank costs you about three dollars in, in, in electricity where the same amount of distance for a gas car costs you around 65 to 75 dollars yeah. depending on the car you have so that money if you buy quebec electricity well, guess what it's it's clean it's from here it's nationally owned mm -hmm. so it, it's like a no-brainer for me so, yeah but let's go you know uh, Plus here, there's a lot of individual houses, so it's easier to install uh, a charging station at home uh, with a model, I'm not making publicity to the Model 3, the full equipped Model 3 has a range of around 500 to 600 kilometers. Yeah. So people often complain about, you know, mileage, but hey, when's the last time you drove 600 kilometers in one city? Exactly. All right, let's wrap it up, man. What, what kind of message do you want to send to the people that are going to be voting on the 21st of October? Why you? Um, I want, I want people to vote for me because, first of all, I am from here. I grew up here. I, I'm not par a parachute candidate. I know the I know the values of the uh, of the region, first of all. Um, I, ser I, I served and I'm still serving the Canadian Forces and I started in this area. So uh, not many candidates can say, hey, I actually saved my own community from a flood and helped and deployed and uh, i done security work around Halloween, you know, we, we walk around and we check. Um, not many candidates can do that. Uh, the Liberals often will play the, um, the, the ethnicity card. Previously, it was Madame Nassif. She did parachute her here because they're like, hey, there's a lot of Lebanese people living in the area. There you go. Now, they, they, they booted her out. They put a Greek saying, hey, there's a lot of Greeks living in the area. And that's very, uh, you know, identity politics that I do not enjoy getting involved. Mm -hmm. Actually, a guy who helps me on my campaign, was an aide, and I may be giving a scoop, was an aide on the on a Laval candidate of the Conservative Party. And he, and he didn't like the idea that they only use them for uh, Haitian votes, because okay. they're in a highly Haitian vote uh, area. And they just wanted you know to have a Haitian face. And yeah. I don't get involved in that. That is really, I'm not gonna go and beg people that are, hey, we're from the same region, vote for me. Yeah. No, vote for me because I know what I'm doing. I got the ideas, and and it. I feel bad for my opponents the day I'm in chamber, because I'm the kind of guy who goes for left or right. Here. Ah, it's gonna be left. I'm the kind of guy that I know how to go get what I need, and I'm hard working for it. You know, Superman. I wish you a lot of luck. The campaign has only started, so uh, you have 40 days of ground that you got to work yeah we're gonna uh, grind them good grind luck, the coffee man. man good luck much <laughs> success to you oh thanks a lot uh, thanks for doing this man i appreciate it oh no problem anytime uh if you want contacts with other candidates and so on uh yeah yeah for sure uh, <laughs> i know some liberals and some conservatives <laughs> beautiful man i appreciate it